Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and honey, the German football pod. We are back. The Bundesliga is back. And so is this lovely pod. Match day 16, the first one in 2023. And it was goals, 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 goals that we adore. 41 Tore we saw. But before we get going, uh, just your weekly and very friendly reminder that we welcome your subscriptions. Please do support us, keep supporting us by becoming a fully paid up member of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club. The easiest way to do it is go to steadyhq.com slash en beer and honey. You'll find the link on the socials as well. We thank you in advance. Christoph Biermann is here with me. Christoph, where shall we start? Good morning or um, hello everybody. Um Where shall we start? Um, yeah, let, let, let's start with the shock results. Um, there were at least um, two. Uh, nobody expected. Bochum winning? Mm, uh, Used to be a shock, maybe less so now, but <laughs> sorry for interrupting you. Um, so uh, uh, Cologne winning 7-1 against Werder Bremen, the biggest win since they were defeating Frankfurt. 7-0 nil in uh, 1983. Yeah, exactly in 40 years. Yeah, I remember as well. <laughs> And um, uh, I, I think that was probably the least ex expected result. Or um, Freiburg 6-0 defeat at Wolfsburg, uh, the highest defeat of uh, Christian Streich in his uh, career in the Bundesliga as a coach. Um, I don't know, uh, but you pick uh, the one we, we talk about first. I mean, these are all great ones. Um, I just think in terms of pure drama, um, excitement, seesawing back and forth, Dortmund's 4-3 win over Augsburg was probably the pick. The pick of the weekend, Dortmund got it over the line. They nearly conceded an equalizer late on. They could have easily thrown away the three points as they so often have done in the first half of the season. Well, I mean, typical Dortmund, wasn't it? The two-faced team, great going forward. Some wonderful goals from Jude Bellingham, who was outstanding once again. Uh, Jamie Bynou-Gittens returning onto the pitch, scored. Sebastian Aller came back as well, didn't score, but we saw Giorena score a good goal. But on the other end, <laughs> oh my God, it was a nightmare. Um, it was uh, Nico Schlotter back in his World Cup form. Uh, it was it was a ne nearly a disaster. 
Last week, we, we've been talking about your visit to Marbella uh, for Borussia Dortmund preseason uh, preparation. And we were talking about more defensive stability coming from this 4-1-4-1. And yeah, and they actually had their 4-1-4-1. And um, they also had a new um, uh, uh, right back with uh, Julian Rierson, the Norwegian player. Uh, coming in from um, Union Berlin and uh, because Thomas Meunier injured himself. Um, so that was a kind of emergency transfer and he, he played well. But uh, the whole defensive organization uh, looked terrible in, in parts. What, 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 what? More like defensive disorganization, <laughs> I would say. Um, do we have to, to blame our friend Edin because he... Uh, don't get things going defensively or is it, I mean, in Dortmund, we fans like to talk about the mentality and the lack of mentality of, of the players. Is it the quality? What is it? It's, uh, and, or, or is the glass rather half full? Because, um, <laughs> uh, as you said, Borussia scored some, some, some great goals and, uh, played well. In, in, in parts. So, um, what is it, Borussia? What is it, Rafael? Well, Edin Terzic was asked about the system and he reacted um, quite irritated. He said, it's not about the system. We've played the system before. We played in the system against uh, Bayern. We played in the system against Sevilla. We played in the system against Bochum. And it's always a question how you put that system into place. If the two players in front of the holding six are more defensive or they're more like number 10s. I guess it was supposed to be a mix with Bellingham and Brandt playing inside. It just didn't quite work out. But I think what's worse is somebody like Rafael Guerrero, who's a wonderful footballer, just cannot win any duels anymore. It doesn't always seem to be a little bit slow to react. Uh, no physical force, no real determination uh, to win. Uh, Hummels is, has been in great form, but always wants to do things quite elegantly as well. And Nico Schlotterbeck, who has all the attributes of being a very good centre-back, at the moment seems, seems lost as well. So I think it's a little bit of everything. Mentality, I would say, to come back every single time and still win shows that there is nothing too wrong in that respect the team didn't fall apart and suddenly lost you know three six or something but it's the basics the basics are still lacking and I think you have too many players thinking about attacking thinking about what can I do with the ball what is my best you know situation where can I run where can I move and it doesn't seem to have the defensive awareness and the defensive sort of determination that you need if you want to be really successful. Niklas Süle was out. He was sitting on the bench um, because they... He came back in the 90th yeah, minute, well, yeah. <laughs> so is... Um, was he th uh, thinking, sitting on the bench? Ah, they should have played me. I think all footballers think that. Um, Süle is a great example because he was supposed to be the new leader at the back for the Dortmund team. But as we saw at the World Cup, as we saw some games before the winter break, he still is coming to terms with with having to be that person. 
uh, doesn't always look like the quickest when it comes to reacting. He's a very fast player, but when it comes to the first few meters of you know just little turns and that, that's that's not his game so much. And he has been the big, the big transfer for the defense. So I think we we'll still see him play in preseason. Well, in the winter preseason, he played mostly as a right back. Rierson, is it Rierson rather than Ryerson? Um, it's both ways. So he he is Norwegian American. So um, you can pick what you like. As a as a Groundhog Day fan, I will definitely call him Ryerson. <laughs> Anyway, it was a good result for Dortmund in the end, but the kind of performance, the kind of uh, defensive performance that will still leave us, and I'm sure Edin Terzic and everyone else, a little bit puzzled about this this team and why they can't can't quite get it together. But we have so many goals and so many good games to talk about that we should swiftly move on. Uh, another a bit of a ding-dong on Sunday afternoon was Gladbach against Leverkusen, although for a long stretch, Leverkusen dominated this 3-2 away win. Uh, they were 3-0 up until the 82nd minute and then two goals from Lars Stindl made, made the scoreline look a little bit more palatable for the Foles. But this was a decent... Um, very efficient, very cool performance and win from Leverkusen, who did so without arguably their best player, uh, Florian Wirtz. Very impressive from that. But them. as every uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, fan would say, we always lose against uh, Leverkusen. And so mm. here we are with the next edition of our Learning Fußball Deutsch. Learning Fußballdeutsch with beer and honey. And this time it's Angstgegner. So it uh, doesn't have to do with German angst, uh, but what angst? Or, or, or maybe, maybe there, maybe a little bit. So. Um, Raphael, uh, tell us about the concept of Angstgegner. Well, so quite literally, it's the opponent that you fear. Opponent that makes you quake, that makes you shiver, that makes you worry. Angst is, is angst, is fear. Gegner is opponent or opposition. And it's the bogey team. It's the team that you always lose against or that you always feel or fear that you might lose against. Now, yes, uh, Leverkusen have been Gladbach's bogey team, but... That in itself doesn't really tell us much about the game. Um, it's interesting that Xabi Alonso so far has kind of focused on the basics, maybe in a way that our friend uh, Eden wants to, but hasn't been able to. Uh, it's a defensively solid team, Leverkusen, in the last few games. They've had many clean sheets. They uh, looked like having a clean sheet until Stindl scored two late goals, consolation goals. And they mostly play a transition football or counter-attacking football, uh, looking at those moments when you can be very direct. And in uh, Amin Adli, who had a really fine game, and Musa Diaby, they have these really fast players who love to have these kind of spaces. I guess it'll change a little bit when Florian Wirtz does come back because he's more of a, uh, a number 10 player, wants lots of touches. But so far, and especially in this game, 
it uh, it really worked for them. And they've climbed up to ninth in the table now after being in the relegation places for a long time. And, you know, maybe Europa League or Conference League at the very least should be should be possible again for them. Uh, Leverkusen has won six out of the last six uh, matches against uh, um, Borussia Mönchengladbach in the Bundesliga. And the overall uh, thing is uh, they won 33 Bundesliga matches where Borussia Mönchengladbach won only 22 against um, uh, Leverkusen and it was 26 draws. So it's it's not as dramatic as this uh, Angstgegner thing would, uh, uh, would suggest. Yeah, there is another team where a coach seems um, to uh, got his team on tracks, um, and that's Wolfsburg. Um, they have, um, let me think, they have now five, five wins in a row. Five wins in a, in a row, and the one against um, uh, Freiburg um, be, be, before uh, the match day, second team Freiburg, the 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 unofficial Bayern Jäger um, uh, that was very impressive, but also one of these days. I I, I think um, uh, um, the Freiburg players would say where everything goes against you, and um, and everything went in favor of um, uh, Wolfsburg with scoring the first goal in the first minute. And then uh, it started from there that um, whenever they kicked the ball towards the goal of um, Freiburg, they seemed to score. And uh, yeah, um, but 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 um, what, what's your impression? Is Niko Kovac now probably there where um, we had him when he was... Um, coach at Eintracht Frankfurt. I, I think more I, um, when he was very successfully working at Frankfurt than later on when we, he was a Bayern coach. I've always believed in Niko Kovac. As you know, all listeners know, a uh, fantastic coach. <laughs> um, no, I think he... Yeah, you're right. Uh, we, have to, we have to give him some credit. Uh, this Wolfsburg team who started badly now look a, like a real unit. Um I wouldn't say they're quite there where Frankfurt was under him, where they had this real incredible togetherness. And I think we call it muscularity at the time. They just looked a really tough side. I think it's always going to be a little bit more difficult to recreate it at a place like Wolfsburg, where you have a lot of players who are kind of there because they want to be somewhere else and you will not create the same energy with the crowd. It's not a real football city some people might say it's not really a city at all. Um, <laughs> but having said all that, they're playing really good football. And Freiburg, who we have praised for their collective <laughs> defensive solidity, were all over the place. And Wolfsburg were very, very good. Yes, maybe a little bit lucky because it was, as you said, one of those games where every single shot seems to result in the goal but you have to first of all create these shots uh, you have to be balanced so that you don't concede anything and they never looked in danger of of not winning this game don't know what happened to Freiburg why they didn't turn up but Wolfsburg were actually by themselves 
pretty impressive. And I especially enjoyed play, uh, seeing Jonas Wind play, the Danish uh, striker who was really effective. He scored two goals. I'm not going to do any name jokes or anything with him at this point. But uh, he really, really did well to, um, <laughs> as, as Kicker wrote, blow away SC Freiburg in this particular game. And yeah, I think we have to take Wolfsburg begrudgingly, perhaps, but we have to take them seriously as far as a candidate for for the European places is concerned. And who knows? I mean, they're only four points off Freiburg at the moment. They might actually make it into the Champions League. Shock horror. <laughs> And uh, we probably shouldn't mention another player um, also, Patrick Wimmer, the, the Austrian player who came in from um, Bielefeld, relegated Bielefeld um, at the beginning of this season. And um, uh, he, he, what, he had one assist that um, uh, was just terrific. Um, he is now the top scorer for Wolfsburg. And um, yeah, he, he looks like the extra element, the special element, the creative element in this, in this now very Nico Kova-esque uh, uh, team that, um, th that has a good work rate. But um, you, within these teams, you, you also need players who, who have an idea from, from time to time. And um, he's, he, he seems to be the one and his um, uh, form is, was very impressive. And um, yeah, so maybe he'll be the star or the face of this new Wolfsburg team. Um, to, to be honest, but uh, maybe, maybe this uh, praise is all a bit premature. Uh, let's see um, how they are doing in this English Woche because there are already matches on Tuesday and uh, Wednesday and then the next weekend again. So when the Bundesliga gets really going. Yeah, I mean, so many games, so many goals uh, coming up this week. So we better swiftly move on to a game that you mentioned early on, Christoph, and that was Köln's record. 7-1, well, near record. 7-1 win over Bremen. Biggest win in 40 years. Uh, another one of those games where everything goes wrong for one team and every shot somehow seems to go in, even uh, in the case of uh, Stefan Tigges from 45 meters out, even though Werder Bremen's uh, keeper Pavlenka was not in goal at the time. Still, it was a quite an incredible game. Two teams where you thought, well, they're very similar. Once in 11, once in 10, they score some good goals. They defend okay, but they're classic sort of mid-table teams. And we're not really used to those kind of results uh, between teams that are very similar in nature and in, in output. Can we blame it on the restart? Is Bremen still somehow on holiday? Uh, you know, are they, are they thinking about uh, Christmas still and the Christmas presents? Uh, what what happened there? Yeah, but one one of the uh, players was saying that they, he had the impression um, they were still in 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 their training camp or something mm -hmm. like this. So um, I think it's it's a similar case to to what happened to um, Freiburg in in Wolfsburg. So a team that was not really prepared, but. Um, 
One of the funny scenes uh, 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 during this um, uh, um, game between Cologne and Bremen was at halftime because <laughs> uh, Steffen Baumgart, Cologne's coach, they were 5-1 up at that time. And uh, some minutes before halftime, Niklas Füllkrug, uh, the the German uh, international, um, had scored the uh, consolation goal for for Bremen. And he was furious, and um, and I, I think and and uh, it looked genuinely furious, not not like acting furious, and uh, I think um, that tells you a lot about his um, approach to football and how he works with the team because he he was always wants to keep the intensity high, and. Um, And you can see it. Um, they had some problems, some some real problems uh, uh, before the end of the first uh, half of of the Bundesliga with the uh, or first part of the Bundesliga with the uh, international games. They lost some some matches. They looked tired. They looked mm, as if they probably had lost their way. And and so I think it was so important for them. Um, Uh, not only to win it, but to win it in—is it winning in style? Is it, I mean, it was uh, at least winning in a in a very impressive way, uh, because I think everybody in Cologne now has uh, has got the feeling back that they're heading in into the right direction. Yeah. Well, Stefan Baumgart, the coach, did admit that they scored five goals from their first five chances, which rarely happens. Uh, but for Ole Werner, his um, opposite number at Werder Bremen, a really bad day in the office. Um, he said that we just accepted our fate and uh, please don't expect me to find any positives from this game. You know, the classic reporter question. Uh, what can you take from this game that makes you <laughs> more optimistic for the next one? Well, Ole Werner said absolutely nothing, which uh, perhaps is is the right answer after such a disaster. Now, I mean, these were the, the, the big scoring games, but at the very top of the table on Friday night, uh, when the Bundesliga curtain was raised once more, we saw more of an orthodox um, good game in the sense that we didn't really see many goals, but we saw some good football which resulted in a 1-1 draw between Leipzig and Bayern. Two very different halves. Bayern started really well, dominated, scored a goal with the inevitable Eric Maxim Chupomotzing being on target yet again. But in the second half, Leipzig came back and Bayern sort of couldn't quite raise their game. They defended reasonably well, but didn't really create that many chances anymore. And it was Halstenberg in the 52nd minute um, who just got it over the line, a bit of a messy goal. And then Messi, M-S-S-Y, not, <laughs> not with an I. And then it kind of played out like it often does when two teams feel, you know what, this is it's probably a decent draw for both of us. A draw that uh, keeps Bayern on top, of course, um, five points clear of a team that we haven't mentioned yet. But, uh, Christoph, what did that game tell us about this Bayern team and their new goalkeeper, Jan Sommer? I mean, Jan Sommer was not terribly tested. 
Um, and so, um, and, and what you, there was a lot of talk about this. Um, how long does it take to adjust to the, um, to, to play in his new team? And, um, Julian Nagelsmann suggested that it takes 15 minutes. And I think in, 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 in general, it's not witchcraft, apparently, he said. <laughs> and, uh, And obviously, it's um, uh, the goalkeeper's position is the one where the transition process from one team to the other is is always the shortest. And if you have a such an experienced player as Jan Sommer, um, I think nobody expected problems, and there weren't problems. And um, uh, my impression was. Um, um, as you said, both teams in, um, towards the end were happy with the draw. And um, uh, following my theory that uh, Leipzig is the first Bayern Jäger, um, and they were happy to, to keep them a distance with the, with the draw. And also, I think um, Leipzig had the impression that... Um, Yeah, that the the gap between them and um, Bayern is is big enough so that you you better look into the rear mirror and um, think about your opponents for the for the uh, Champions League spots because um, when you look at the table, everything is very close together behind Bayern behind this uh, uh, five points gap. So I wasn't overwhelmed by the quality it was a it was a good good match but it was not a classic it wasn't fantastic or so on um there was a a bit lacking maybe um uh, both teams need some games to 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 actually find their rhythm yeah a bit of rustiness perhaps after this very very a long break. Well, Uli Hoeneß, the Bayern, uh, former Bayern president, said on Sunday that uh, it's 100% sure that Bayern will win the championship and he doesn't care what happens behind. Now, I think he might be half right, but uh, we do, of course, care very much what happens uh, behind the number one spot. And that is some real strength and consistency from two teams we've been praising a lot uh, one is Eintracht Frankfurt they had a regulation win against Schalke a Schalke side under Thomas Reis that do show some signs of life belatedly perhaps they're still only on nine points they pushed Frankfurt I don't want to say all the way but they did make it difficult for them they only scored the second and third goal late on but Jesper Lindstrom really wonderful first goal it's worth checking on on YouTube or wherever you can find it, really put Frankfurt on on the road towards another three points. And Schalke, for all their improved form, really at the end, um, not quite the team to to stop the, the Frankfurt juggernaut, uh, juggernaut. They have been very, very impressive as of late under Oliver Glasner, who's being now linked to lots of top jobs, not just uh, nationally, but internationally as well. I've seen some Spurs fans saying he's the kind of guy that uh, might might help us. But in the meantime, he's doing wonderfully well with Frankfurt. And it was just another really good win for them. Yeah, but, but uh, Glasner was actually pretty unhappy about the performance of his, his team. So um, uh, the, as you already said, the result looks much better 
and then the performance uh, of the team was and 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 Schalke probably played one of their best games um, of the season so uh, i think it's it's difficult for them so so what 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 do they tell themselves okay we have improved our performance but we still uh, don't get anything out of it and um As we said um, um, before the restart, it's it's a long way for for, for Schalke, and uh, probably too long way to uh, have a real chance to avoid relegation. Yeah, I mean, teams have managed to come back from only nine points after sixteen games. Uh, not many of them, but it has been possible. And there's six points adrift of Stuttgart at this point in the relegation playoff spots. Thomas Reis was very bullish before the restart. He said, our aim is to not just avoid the relegation playoff spot, but to vo avoid relegation altogether. Um, it's good to be, I guess, confident and to project that optimism, but it's going to be uh, pretty hard, as you said, uh, for them to come back. Um, Oliver Glasner, full of praise, saying, I probably liked what Schalke played more than what I saw from us. But you wonder if it's almost worse when you play really well and don't get anything uh, down at the bottom. Now, Stuttgart, uh, they played out a 1-1 draw against Mainz. It's, it was a kind of game that perhaps we can gloss over, but uh, we should mention that Stuttgart remain in the playoff spots. It's all very, very tight in front of uh, Schalke because Hertha, yes, Hertha, lost the six-pointer against uh, your beloved VfL Bochum, Christoph. 3-1, Bochum won. Yeah, and it was lucky at the beginning um, and uh, um, impressive towards the end from um, from Bochum. Lucky because um, the, the first 15 minutes um, were um, Hertha was uh, was showing a good performance and they also scored a goal. And then the VAR came in because 20 seconds before the goal was scored, the um, ball was outside um, uh, the pitch. And um, so... Maybe. Highly likely. Was it conclusive? I think so. I may maybe the uh, VAR guys had um, an extra camera that sh showed it. I uh, to me it looked, uh, but but maybe I wanted to it to to see it outside the pitch, uh, whatever. And um, uh, and then th that it took 20 seconds. Uh, you can see it, and it um, the go goal was scored uh, in a very a different sector of the pitch uh, 20 seconds later. Um, there was a discussion if there was a new situation uh, occurring uh, after this or not. And um, uh, the complexities and uh, of, of uh, football rules um, that are sometimes also a bit, I think, frustrating because uh, it's disturbing the flow of the of the game and, and so on. But in in uh, anyhow, in in uh, Bochum's uh, case, uh, it, they were lucky, and then they played well, um, being three nil up uh, until uh, close to the end, and uh, Hertha only scoring a consolation goal and. Um, 
and uh, Philipp Hofmann, um, the um, uh, center forwards, uh, scored his first brace in the Bundesliga, and um, <clears throat> and you could see some improvements by Bochum um, because uh, now it was the first time that new coach Thomas Lech um, uh, could could work um, with uh, with the team in in this break on to to refine some of his tactical ideas. It, it, um, interestingly, they didn't win a um, didn't win a single preparation match, and so um, it's a typical uh, thing that you um, you can't count on what you see in this preparation phase. And um, yeah, and Hertha was, I think it uh, it came as a kind of shock for them, um, n not only losing but but. Um, um, Uh, yeah, they they uh, vanished um, uh, in some parts of the game. Very disappointing. Um, uh, you, you very rarely had the 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 feeling that they could uh, turn things around, and and everybody was uh, deeply frustrated, especially uh, Coach Sandro Schwarz and. Um, And we, I mean, we can only guess what what would have happened if this um, decision in the first uh, place uh, would have been changed, um, and and they would have been one nil up, but they weren't. And so, uh, I think it was a it was a day when they uh, after they uh, have to think a lot because they're playing Wolfsburg now, um, and then uh, the Berlin derby. On, on Saturday against Union. So, pooh. Pooh, indeed. Um, lucky and then impressive, you might say that fits also Union's performance against uh, TSG Hoffenheim. But then again, they've been getting lucky consistently that uh, Thomas Müller's um, great sentence comes to mind. Always luck is not luck. And, of course, they managed to win despite uh, Jordan Sibachu missing a penalty early on, despite going 1-0 down when Ilas Bebu scored a goal for the visitors. But then in the second half, they came back. And with the help of Alt-Försterreich Stadion and the crowd, they turned things around and scored three goals. Two of them from Danilo Döcki and assists from Christopher Trimmel. A win that keeps them in the Champions League places and looking a lot more like the Union that we've become accustomed to see, rather the Union that uh, concedes four and five goals just before the winter break, Christoph, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, um, and they were, as you mentioned, they were actually unlucky because um, they got this um, uh, penalty in the first half when it was nil-nil, and uh, Jordan Sibacu only hit the post, and then they were one nil down and and you 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 could think ah this is one of these days uh, but but um as we have seen so often from union it was one of their days and uh, because the um second and third goal came late um uh, the third one in in uh, 96 minutes uh, but but what you can see is um that in the second half union was overwhelming Hoffenheim and and that you could see their quality again and they are uh, um, one of the two teams who who scores most goals in the last 20 minutes the other one is Werder Bremen and um, 
and uh, and also in the last uh, five minutes of 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 games. So that is a certain quality. It has to do with. Uh, physical preparation, but it also has to do with um, a, a mental framework that the team collectively has. They never stop. They never give up. They they um, um, always um, it we could mix in here some other football Deutsch raushauen. They, <laughs> I don't know how to, uh, how you they leave to, everything on the pitch. Yeah. Raushauen. They, and, uh, so they, they, sie hauen alles raus and, um, and that's their uh, second nature. And, uh, when they were faltering a bit towards, um, uh, the end of the first half of the season, they were just tired. And um, and uh, they would have liked to uh, alles raushauen, but there was no, there wasn't anything in the in the tank to um, to leave it on the pitch, and and so so I expect them to um, go on, maybe not to the uh, to the Champions League, but. Um, uh, uh, an interesting um, uh, transfer coming in. Uh, we, we've talked about Julian Rierson uh, leaving Union for uh, Borussia Dortmund, and now Josep Juranovic comes comes in from um, Celtic. He's he's a, a right defender, and he played for Croatia in all um, games at the World Cup. And uh, they play, they pay. Um, as it said, uh, eight million uh, euros for 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 this transfer um, that would have ma would make him the uh, record transfer of Union. So um, let's see what 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 um, what he is doing. So, but but altogether, I think Union is um, you can see as well prepared for for things to come, including their um, Europa League matches against. Uh, Ajax Amsterdam. Yeah, which would be um, which would be a fascinating clash of styles and fan cultures. I think one to look, look forward to. But uh, as you said, Christoph, uh, the Bundesliga a little bit like Union after not getting going now, they uh, cannot stop. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've just had a, a, what, 15, 16 week break, at least it feels that long. Um, but the next games and the next expected goals are coming thick and fast because on Tuesday we will see Schalke take on Leipzig, Bayern play Köln, TSG Hoffenheim hosting Stuttgart, Hertha against Wolfsburg, a game you mentioned. And then the next day it's the uh, Thomas Tuchel derby, Mainz against uh, Dortmund and the Klopp derby, of course, Bayer Leverkusen, Farfeld, Bochum, Freiburg take on Frankfurt, Augsburg host Borussia Mönchengladbach and Werder Bremen against Union Berlin. Uh, before we go, Christoph, what is your pick of the bunch as the game that we should all be watching? Yeah, probably Bayern against Cologne <laughs> because um, it, it's one of the, the big Bundesliga classic, not as glamorous in recent years as it used to be in the 70s and 80s, but um, still a big one. And, and with this um, terrific form Cologne has, maybe they... They can test Bayern a bit, and at least it will be an intense match um, and uh, good to watch. Yeah, I agree. I think also Schalke Leipzig could be interesting if this newly awakened uh, and much improved Schalke can maybe get something from 
from that game. Maybe, maybe we will see some renaissance um, of the Royal Blues um, restoring their position in the Bundesliga. It would be nice for the league in a way, but uh, hard to see at this point. Um, that's all we got time for. I just want to remind you that we uh, need your subscriptions. We welcome your support. Uh, please do support us if you can. Um, the easiest way is to go to steadyhq.com slash en slash beer and honey and become a fully paid up subscriber. Um, we thank you in advance. We thank you for listening. And we will be back very, very soon on Thursday with the recap of Matchday 17. Until then, I was Raphael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast. Thank you.